What's up, guys? Welcome to Desolation Radio. Oh, yeah, sorry, it's Dan and Nate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here as well. How's it going, Nate? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Thanks for the cake from the Danish bakery. Oh, yeah, so um, I sort of slagged off an intent. Well, I didn't really slag it off, but the Danish bakery I said was a similar gentrification, which it is. Anyway, I went there this morning and it was outstanding. I just brought Nathan the delicious courgette cake. So. Sounded grim, it tasted delicious. First of many public apologies, I'd also like to apologise <laughs> to people in Dennis Palace and Radha for sort of implying on the previous show that it would be better to die early than to live in those places, which is, of course, done for comic effect and it's not true at all. Okay, so I, wanna, I also want to talk about my postman in a sec because as a staunch defender of the proletariat, obviously I'm very, you know, I'm very pro-worker, I'll always be... I'll try to be very nice to front of house people. I'll never, I'll always be civil to people doing a hard job. Can you please stop claiming that the books I order don't fit in my letterbox? So I've got to go all the way down to the end of Cowbridge Road, basically in Ely, and pick them up. I measure in these books, they fit in my. They're just normal letter- paperbacks. They're just normal paperback books, and he's claiming they, they don't fit. I, I don't really understand. Maybe he just doesn't like me. A lot of people don't. But I, So the book I've ordered is uh, The Greasy Pole yeah. by Mike Parker, which is about. A corrupt Polish businessman <laughs> who keeps getting away with stealing grease. He's like the Teflon. He's the Teflon Polish dude that like he always he's really corrupt, but they take him to court and nothing sticks. So that's what I'm. I'm fairly sure that's what the book's about. So so anyway, I'm gonna do the. Uh, I'll do. I'll read it and we'll review it maybe in the future. Yep. So today we're gonna talk about the media, the information deficit that exists in Wales. So we've got a problem with our media in that Wales. Like unlike pretty much every country in the world, you know, even sort of small stateless nations, just doesn't really have a media worthy of the name. I mean, obviously the the British press aren't exactly perfect, but at least they know what's going on. It's just twisted and and warped. Whereas in Wales, we've got this sort well, of not unique... reported at times. Yeah, but in Wales, we've got the unique problem of just not knowing mm. what's going on. So let's have a look at some stats. The stats we memorize every week. Less than 5% of Welsh people read Welsh newspapers. So instead, people in Wales basically consume English or British papers. The Sun, the Daily Mail, the most popular paper in Wales, which is a bit alarming. And because they read these, they don't read Welsh papers, and they read these British papers, which focus on Westminster, focus on sort of English and British sort of inverted commas issues. They don't mention Welsh devolution, they don't mention the policy differences in Wales. And as a consequence, people just don't don't know what the Assembly does. They don't know what's happening in Welsh politics. They don't really know about the decisions that the Assembly's making which affect their day-to-day lives, really. Oh, yeah, so the little sort of papers that we do have, the Western Mail, Daily Post, we think of them as national papers. Like So people in South Wales think the Western Mail is a national paper. It's not a national paper. It never has been. It's never been read outside South Wales. In North Wales, you've got the Daily Post, which is the equivalent. But So they, these are regional papers, essentially. Uh, one for North Wales, one for South Wales. And it's also the same for TV, you know, so people overwhelmingly watch British television. What is What does the Welsh news consist of, really? What is Welsh TV? Well, when you say about Welsh news, you just get those um, sound bites, don't you, at the end of, like, the proper news. Yeah. And so then here's, here's news in your region, which is basically the same news, but maybe affects you. Yeah, the Welsh television news which exists is, is really small, as you said. I mean, and it consists of a Welsh supplement, which is it follows like I mean, you know, my parents call it the proper news, I used to call it the proper news. Mm. The British news, like actual news, and then there's like and then you have the Welsh supplement, so that's the same with BBC, they have BBC Wales, which follows BBC News at six. 
ITV, you have ITV Wales, which follows it, ITV News at six. And they do the same for midday and they do the same for 10 o'clock, don't they? So these segments are really short. I mean, pulling up some things, it says they're generally 15 minutes long in the afternoon. They're about half an hour at six. Often though, it seems like they're shorter. Um, and 10 minutes at 10, occasionally they'll have longer shows when there's things like the Welsh Assembly election on. I mean, obviously, if you've got that short time scale, it means that all the issues are just crammed in, aren't they? And it's just roundups. And that's why you always see talking heads on there. You won't see much analysis. So say there's an issue, you'll get like an academic or you'll get a politician on who will say blah, 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 blah. And they won't pick apart what they're saying. It's just like, okay, well, let's just cram that news into the 10 minutes. So that is the same as what happens in, you've got BBC Southwest. So talking about Bristol, BBC Yorkshire, um, BBC Northern Ireland. So all the regions have it. And so you might think Wales isn't being hard done by but the difference is you know Bristol doesn't have a, an assembly Yorkshire doesn't have a devolved institution so people don't they're not countries either yeah they're, they're not yeah. countries yeah so you're not you don't they don't need they're not going to be confused by sorry Cornwall not knowing about it well Cornwall's a country of course yeah. in fact you know again you may or may not have heard I was on TV I was <laughs> I, I was a talking head so you were so then I made what it. were you talking head for Dan? it was about Brexit it yeah. was about Brexit Tell us more, wise one. <laughs> the soothsayer. What I thought was interesting, and this isn't like maybe inside knowledge, which will hopefully be informative, is that the, the journalists on BBC Wales are so unbelievably well-informed and so ridiculously knowledgeable about like, the Welsh policy context. It's really it's embarrassing because, you know, I was there meant to be the so-called expert, but after like five minutes of talking to them, I'm like, wow, you... You guys really know your stuff, you know, they, they they could do the show on their own, they don't really need talking heads. And what's painful is that they'll film for hours and hours, you know, for, well, for not hours, but for a long time. And then when you see that yourself on the news, the segment is, is really small. And that's because they only, they're only given this short time scale. So they've got to cram a story, which I'm sure they would love to make really, really detailed. They'd love to get more of you, you are, wouldn't they? <laughs> no, they'd, I'd, I'd think I'd always be cut to the <laughs> five seconds because I'm sort of a bumbling idiot. <laughs> the point is not ability or anything like that. It's a structural thing. They could do fantastic shows if they had the freedom or a platform to do it. But instead, they're obviously being told, you know, well, hey, guys, you've only got five minutes to do this. So just let's just wrap it up and condense it, you know? Yeah, so during like a while back, I think during the 80s, there was huge cuts in the media. Yep. So um, that could that relates to it, I think, in the sense that, you know, you can only get a certain amount out. Like, used to have, as road news would happen, somebody would just have five minutes to kind of summarise it. Or it was Quick. like, yeah, pretty much. Or like, if someone's about to make a statement, they'd start writing the statement uh, that they were going to send back to BBC or whatever, fill in the bits that they knew. And then just <laughs> after the person had talked, yeah, we'll just put that in and send it then. So these, <laughs> take it out. Uh, uh, oh yeah, funny uh, story about um, when I was on TV and I was getting really excited about it, like, oh guys, I'm going to be on telly, blah, blah. So at the time I was sort of like... Tell met, a friend. So I was messaging this girl that I'd like met on uh, Tinder or whatever. So I said, chatting to her, and I, I said, well, uh, you know, obviously I'd drop it in straight away when I'm talking to someone. But, but I said, well... I'm Dan TV. I've yeah, I've been, been on, on TV. Uh, so they say, what's up? And I'm like, uh, I've been on TV. Just yeah. scrap a small talk. I've been on TV. Um, <laughs> let's cut the chase. Yeah, let's cut the chase. I've been on TV. Uh, loads, so... Um, Don't mess me around. I've got time. I've been on TV. Yeah, so... So 
I was on TV at first. Anyway, so the second time I was on TV, it was like a snap thing. So I got a phone call when I was out of the office and the journalist said, like, we were wondering if you could come tonight to do this broadcast. And I was like, okay. But in my head, I was like, oh, no, I look like shit. Like, <laughs> because I was down West Wales doing some field work and, like, obviously I hadn't had a head. I hadn't shaved my head. I was wearing pretty... Well, not bad clothes because I was going to do some field work, so I had to look relatively smart. I wasn't wearing. I wanted to wear, you know, like football hooligan jacket to be seen as like the cool academic. <laughs> um, but I was wearing like my sad sort of North Face, and because I hadn't shaved my head, you could like see a, a terrible my hairline. Well, how receipt, how much of a receipt I had, and so I messaged it. I was like, "Hey, I'm on TV tonight," <laughs> and then. At the same time it was broadcast, I was like, did you see me? And you know you see it's like messages read on WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> so, and she just stopped contacting me. So she's obviously just watched it and be like, that guy's absolutely me. And that's all that matters. I don't really care about what I didn't. It, it might have been the fact that I was really inarticulate and didn't make any sense. But I mean, You're judging her on like perhaps the, the wrong thing. Maybe she, she looked past your perceived physical physical feelings and it's just like oh, actually on an intellectual level I wasn't feeling it he's a bozo yeah but it's more the fact that it was a bad angle you know yeah a bad hair day elephant uh, manish <laughs> yeah <laughs> horrific yeah like from underneath like, um, <laughs> I am not an animal just yes. I am on the BBC so it was just yeah so <laughs> and I instead of like my name it would just say like Dan Evans and it says something like scum Cardiff Uni would just say like yeah, like <laughs> ugly, like looks hungover and puff, like puffy oh, face. Like they had running commentary. Yeah, like oh my. Has like, he been stung? Cut, <laughs> cut. Is that a fight with some hornets? Yeah, it was just. I looked absolutely grim, and then, but you know, jokes on that girl. Hopefully, one day I'll get sort of famous, and then uh, <laughs> she could be like, "I'm the person who ignored him." Yeah, and then you still have she still have that value, then, couldn't she? It was just really upsetting. It just crushed myself with well, it didn't. Nothing can, but um, for a few uh, jokes in you, I already felt like shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jokes in you, I already hate myself. <laughs> but it was bad. It was really bad. And then I get all these like messages from my friends, like "get by the TV," like uh huh. So I can't watch it because it's too cringe, really. Yeah. Anyway, I guess the point we're making is that the BBC coverage that you know they could do would be fantastic it'd be interesting to see the cuttings mm. that they've made you know really detailed analysis and they've had to cut it down I was uh, reading this uh, uh, Noam Chomsky book and it was Name about, drop it was my, my homie Noam Chomsky sub Noam yeah lives lives three doors right away from me he's another man that should have a statue in my opinion Carly. yeah I was yeah I was thinking that and who else should well we said Edward said Raymond Williams just those three thinkers for now mm, at the moment but he was uh, I can't remember who he was speaking to, but they basically said before... Noam Chomsky in conversation with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> the Onion did that thing and it was like Noam Chomsky starts uh, residence in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, doing like all like the linguistic stuff, yeah. isn't it? Oh, anyway, um, he... What was said, that the BBC want to know exactly what you're going to say and the, the, the kind of lack of freedom that comes... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you certainly do get... You go over and over and over before you go on so they don't even like in wild cards. The, in the industry, yeah. you know, uh, this is what happens. So the fact is, you know, there's a general problem. So you've got less than 5% of people read news, these Welsh newspapers. You've got a short, basically, a time time span for the Welsh news. It's not it's not enough, is it, for an no. entire country's news to be crammed into 10, 15 minutes. It comes across as condescending, 
the other problem you've got a general problem which is the problem of a, the, the the wider problems facing the, the mass media and it's a question of political economy it's how the media has evolved towards and we've all noticed this it media has evolved towards clickbait so yeah. and replicating um, buzzfeed yeah so things like this so this is all based on the need for advertising revenue and so what it means is that you have everything is moved towards the internet and websites and stories start to sort of blend into the, those weird adverts you have so there's an amazing um, story that you should read and it's about it's on spiked and it's by the guy who is an editor in the Leicester mercury and he won all these awards for like local investigative reporting blah blah and he just reveals how once the Leicester mercury was bought by trinity mirror mm-hmm. so trinity mirror incidentally own the western mail and the daily post and the south Wales echo and this is why you'll have noticed the content declining on Wales Online, for example. He says that as soon as Trinity Mirror bought it, you notice these changes in the office. So they laid off the investigative reporters. Mm. They bought more advertising people in. That happened nationwide, didn't it? Yeah, and it happens nationwide. I think it was under Murdoch, yeah. uh, mainly. That... So he says you'll have stories about iPhones. You'll have stories about Twitter conversations. That's really weird. You know on the Independent, there's the Independent. But then on the sidebar, it's just like, Look at this hilarious text conversation between a mum and her daughter. It's like, oh, and was that the story? Yeah. That was yeah, that was the yeah, story. Yeah. And it's so, just like, right, you know, that this would be barely. Well, I don't think it wouldn't be barely. Yourself, I want to know what happened next. Oh, it's, yeah, but it's all yeah, it's it's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, pretty it, much. Um, That's the state of the, the nation's media, anyway. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's and it's driven by it's driven from the top. You know, this is something yeah. that it's it's all based on it's all based on market a, the, achieving revenue through yeah. Increasing advertising. So, so capitalism does the media. So, sen- so sensationalizing um, stories with very sensationalizing headlines while simultaneously losing the content. There's no investigative content. It's just report. You know, it'll be. We'll talk about this later. I mean, one of the general problems of the media is, for example, you know, you get the, the predominance of talking heads. You get because of the again, this is a general problem of the mass media. It's not exclusive to Wales, but it obviously it, it's worse in Wales because it means that the very little media we've got like Wales Online, is increasingly less concerned with Welsh politics. And when it is concerned with Welsh politics, it's all driven to do with personalities, and it's all taking questions at face value. That's what, that's what I don't like about the Welsh media that exists. It'll be, a Welsh government spokesman said this. Okay, well, so why are you just repeating what they've said verbatim instead of asking them questions about what's happened? You know, like instead of actually scrutinising and analysing it, they just present the speech essentially as the story, mm. as opposed to like looking at the context and what it means. But anyway, just rely on PR from. Uh, the it's art. essentially what it is. is yeah. PR. So we've got a, we've got a problem with a media and information deficit where we just don't have enough information in Wales. Firstly, we've got no one reading the Welsh newspapers. We've got not many very not very many people watching the Welsh news. So only thirty seven percent of people regularly watch BBC Wales. Only seventeen percent of Welsh people regularly watch ITV Wales at six. And only 13% of people regularly listen to Radio Wales. So you've got most people watching and reading British or English news, which doesn't mention Wales. So what does that, how does that impact on Welsh politics and society? So the first thing, you've got this farcical situation where, you know, no one knows who does what, uh, who's in charge of what, and so on. So bringing up our stats website, this is pretty funny, actually. So fewer than, so BBC Wales report back in 2014... Fewer than half of the people in Wales realise the NHS is a responsibility of the Welsh Government. 48% knew that Welsh ministers were in charge of it. 
whilst 43% thought it was the UK government's job. There's a better understanding of education, which is my field, with 61% correctly saying Welsh ministers responsible and 31% of the UK government. What else does it say? I can't, well, there's not that much. But it's interesting, like, you know, I work in education and you've got a lot, when I speak to headmasters and teachers, they're always moaning that you have parents ringing up the school and panicking about changes that are going to happen to education. You know, oh, well, oh, is the school going to be turned into academy or is it going to be a grammar school system, whatever. Those changes don't happen. You know, when those changes aren't relevant to Wales, there's English things are going to happen in England, but they don't know that because they don't watch the Welsh news. And in, you wouldn't know that that was the case if, let's say you're not like a, normal, like a normal person in Wales, you read... I like, tried to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's imagine that Yeah, this is a project. Um, but, you know, let's say you, you wake up in the morning, you'll turn the TV on and you're watching Sky News, right? So that's British news. Or you'll read your, your paper, which would be, I don't know, either The Guardian or The Mail or The Sun or whatever. Maybe later on you'll watch, what, over your dinner you'll watch the BBC, the, the proper news. And, Just before the one show. Yeah, and then you'll watch the, you'll have the Welsh news after it where you probably switch off. You will go through your life not have a clue no. what is happening in Wales and what the, the, about the nature of devolution. And so what that does, it contributes to political disengagement, doesn't it? You know, a low election turnout. Because, you know, how can you really have strong feelings either way about Welsh politics or be engaged in Welsh politics when you never see it mentioned? You don't know, I'd, I'd wager most people don't know who their AM is. That's what I would say, personally. Or at least you might know your counties, but you certainly don't know who the, the next one is. When I did my PhD re- research in the school that I was researching, I did like a pub quiz round where I just had photos of famous Welsh people. Mm-hmm. Who was on there? People like Ryan Giggs, Bale, uh, all the rugby players. Shirley Bassey, Tom Jones, they were like before those kids' times where they all knew Tom Jones because yeah. he was on The Voice. But she I comes also, around the house every Christmas. But I also put, but I also put uh, Carwin Jones on there. Yeah. And literally not one person, this is going through, so year seven, year nine, and sixth form, not one child knew Carwin Jones was, and he's you know, the leader of Wales, basically. Poll also asked, 42% of Welsh people thought the Welsh government had control of policing, which they don't. So what it does, it just thinks that it, it just contributes to this general disengagement, a lack of information. You can't have a, a society, a, a country can't really really function without an informed population, can it? How, no. are, you, how are you going to engage in politics? You don't know what the assembly does. How are you going to engage in politics? You don't know who, who's in charge or who does what. Here you go. Just 34% of people felt that devolution had led to an improvement in way Wales' as government, with 46% of people saying it hadn't made much difference. Which is understandable. How would you? I mean, how would you know? I mean, does this only make a difference? Well, I don't know what's in, what what is in charge of. And you know, speaking of someone, my actual job is to is to study sort of Welsh devolution. You know, even for me, even for me. Yeah. It's, but it, no, but it's, <laughs> I've been on TV and but it, but it is hard to understand who's in charge of what. Hmm. So this and that, this brings us neatly, I think, to the second negative sort of point, which is related to the first one. It's a lack of scrutiny. If you've got no coverage of the Welsh Assembly and no one knows who does what and no one knows what's going on, people can get away with things. You know, you've got the Welsh economy is tanking. You've got Welsh economy... The Welsh Welsh politics is incredibly partisan and petty. You know, you've got... It is petty. People aren't... People don't work together. But more than that, you've got... Let's look at... Like, for example, you look at the way the EU objective won money. So much of that money was... Has been wasted and it's been... It's an appalling waste. Like, if you tally that... We're talking millions and millions of pounds with the Welsh government, and people will always say people always say that I I bash like the Welsh government or I bash the Labour Party, 
it's not personal it's just because they're in charge yeah and if you're in charge it's your responsibility to run to run the country properly you therefore have to take the rough for the smooth you can't be expect to be in charge and not be criticized if you're not you know if you're not doing well but due to like a lack of media scrutiny um, as you were saying, the Labour Party still has a stronghold on most of Wales, although it's starting to slip now, isn't it? But it's you know it's probably been yeah. I would absolutely wager held, held on perhaps more than of course it is yeah. yeah. And so if you have, for example, a press, an active press or an active coverage of, let's face it, their gross failings, of course they're going to slip in the polls. So you've got the farcical situation. Do you remember when? All right, Leighton Andrews when he was Education Minister. What's up, Leighton? He create you know he creates this policy about extra school spaces which says that small smaller schools are basically going to close down if they've got access empty seats because it costs money and they're going to be amalgamated into larger schools so everyone in smaller villages is saying well actually this is going to hurt the local schools he's like got this idea of himself as this great reformer so he doesn't care he passes it a few months later it impacts on the school in his constituency which has to close mm. right so he is there protesting with these people in his community his own policy. Against his own policy. And he eventually resigned, okay? So that's that's just one example. You've got the Welsh Government's policy was to centralise care, centralise services for the NHS. So moving maternity wards, for example, or moving A&E wards or other specialist wards into local regional hubs, okay? Taking them away from smaller, like, rural hospitals. So that's the government policy. You've then got, like, local MPs and local AMs who are Labour, in that Labour administration that passed this legislation who will be simultaneously campaigning against this and because so because of lack of scrutiny they're able to do to do that you know they're not being held accountable because that is sheer hypocrisy and it doesn't matter it's not personal the fact they're in the Labour Party it's the fact that if anyone was doing that if that was Ply doing it if it was a Conservative doing it you would have to say well you, you should be saying to people well hang on that's hypocrit- hypocritical there but you never see the media speaking truth to power in Wales you never see them saying oh well why are you doing that? You, you, and, and they get away with it. And, and because they get away with it, firstly, it's, as you said, it's going to mean the Labour are going to be in power indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Because if they're not held to account, if no one sees that they're doing a bad job, which they are, fact, then they're well, not going to... Wales sit. Online and the, all the Trinity Trinity Mirror Group as well tend to just cheerlead for... Absolutely. Like, for Welsh Labour Yeah, you've well, got... Um, that's a, yeah, that's a really... So like, they're not going to give any scrutiny to... That's a really important point. You've got this issue, you know, Trinity Mirror is a Labour-affiliated... Sort of conglomerate. You've got the Welsh Mirror, which has always been well, well the short-lived Welsh Mirror, which was we'll talk about this in future episodes actually. But the Welsh Mirror sort of was brought out after the nineteen ninety-nine Welsh Assembly elections, where Plaid looked as if they were going to be doing pretty well. So in response to that, Labour had a bit of a panic and were like, "Well, what can we do to rectify this?" They then set up the Welsh Welsh Mirror, the, the regional version of the Daily Mirror, which was basically just an attack dog for Labour and just spent the next few years just smearing by Cymru and Welsh speakers in order to make sure that Labour remained top dog in Wales. Weird as well, because um, speaking Welsh is seen as you know quite a badge of honour for any for any Welsh politician. Yeah, it is, but it's a complex issue, but we'll talk about that in, in future episodes. But yeah, that's absolutely true. The fact is that the Welsh media that does exist, in my opinion, has a very cosy relationship at times with the leading administration. That might be... It might not be because the journalists have any political affiliation. It's just what happens if you've got a party that's in power. You have to, for example, build up links with them, and maybe you're not gonna. You know, you think well, maybe they're not gonna give stories if you don't. If you have a, a cold, if you keep attacking them, they're not gonna give you any stories. I, like you see um, some like some journalists like in, uh, in inverted commas just having selfies at like the prime minister's 
Christmas yeah, yeah. party. This is like, yeah, that's that's some scrutiny for you. Well, it used to be like um, when the American president used to come into the press thing, and they used to like stand up and clap. Uh, it's like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, but I mean, thanks, thanks for all the work, you dumbass. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, that I mean, it's a fundamental, you know, misunderstanding of what the press is going to do. Well, in my opinion, you grew up thinking. Well, as I said, you grew up as an angsty teen reading Chomsky, like me and you clearly done. You you yeah. you realize that you think the role of the press is to speak truth to power and hold people to account. Clearly, in this day and age, it's literally about it's more about writing, but listicles and yeah. but also just taking someone's speech and taking it at face value, which is being an extended PR firm as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's I think that's a particular problem in Wales that the Welsh government gets an easy right. Okay, so third, you've mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's a really good point. The lack of a Welsh media. Well, it's not just the Welsh media, because we see the media and we mean television and paper and radio news, don't we? Mm-hmm. But it's not just media that we don't have. It's it's other well, it's other cultural representatives. It's, it's, we're talking about television, show, you know, drama and film. We don't have those representations. No, no, um, not at all. Yeah, so because Welsh life is invisible on the TV screen... And in the and in the films, you don't see any Welsh films. People love Twin Town mm. because it's like the only film about Anglo Wales. Yeah. You know, whereas Scotland have got, for example, you know, in comparison, have got loads. Not just Train Spotting, but there's there's a lot of other films that represent another ways of Ken Loach films are representing Scottish society that people can cling on to. But so you know, um, saying about that, there was a planned biopic about Gareth Thomas, the first openly <laughs> gay yeah. rugby star from Wales. From Regent. Uh and a Mi- local boy. Yeah, hooray! Mickey Rourke was planned planning to play him. <laughs> yeah, because you know that's that's some casting for you, isn't it? Why not take a Welsh? Like, oh yeah, that's that's a, that's I'll a separate play, issue. I'll play him. When I was big, he is nails. That dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. And didn't you say it was going to be set in Ireland? Oh yeah. So because Wales isn't known or culturally known on global <laughs> market, they've decided to pretty much change the location to Ireland. And I think he even changed his name as well. So just like, why bother doing it? And putting it as a biopic. Hilarious. Pretty much. The world's first gay rugby player. Who's from Ireland? It's a niche market, that. Like, but no, actually, it's about. It's not necessarily about rugby, is it? It's about sport in general, blah, blah. And, but the rugby community was very supportive. It was quite a, it's quite a heartwarming tale. And, you know, Alfie's like a... I say Alfie's if he's my best mate. Yeah, right? he lives but, next um, time, But, you know, he's a sort of a national... Sweetheart, isn't he? Yeah, um, making getting all those ladies, old ladies, to have a run. Run, run, I run, you bitch! Well, it's mad. I mean, like I, I mean, I know I'm never gonna do a half marathon, uh, even though I, I, there was a time when I was quite fit and playing sport and things. And then you see these women, old women, who are not in the best of shape, just like powering on because they've got this six foot five ripped rugby player like yelling at them. Do you think they're chasing him or running away from him? I like to think they're running away because <laughs> he's like. You know, he's got that nice show, Alfie's Angels, and it's all really sweet. But then he's against the day, he's like, if you slow down... Don't, it, don't fucking embarrass me. Yeah, it's don't embarrass me, because I'll give you a hide-in. Yeah. No, like, that's libelous. You wouldn't obviously say that. No, no, um, not, I, not our Alfie. No. Um, Who is an angel. So, the nation, as you said, is a discursive construct. So this, let's break a... Let's, let's deviate from talking about inappropriate things and talk about some theory for a while. So there's a political theorist of nationalism called Michael Billig, right? And he came up with this theory called banal nationalism. So all that means is that, you know when we grew up, you grew up and you know about the nation and where you belong. We, cause, like we say we, don't we? So mm-hmm. when we refer to we, we refer to 
this country. And normally that refers to the UK. What he says is that we grow up and we learn about where we belong and who we are and who our nation is through the media. So we listen to the news and the news will be saying, our boys did really well. Our team did this. We have done this. So you talk, look about the military and stuff like our boys abroad. You read in the sun, our boys have done this. You read in the reporting of football and rugby and it says, we, we, we. And so gradually over time, there's this drip, drip of we and us. You learn that, well, we're British, you know, and that's, you're right. Look at the difference in Wales and Scotland and the, the generally the weaker sense of national identity in Wales. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely related to the fact that, you know, there isn't a Welsh um, national media. Because when we grow up and we read these papers and we see, we watch, even we watch films when talk about us and you see representations of British life on TV, you don't see representations of, of Wales. And so what it does, it creates this extremely well weak sense of Welsh national identity. Pride as well, another really good film. Not really much Welsh cast. It was a class film, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. Really up there, I would say, with like, well, not quite as good as Brastoff and Billy Elliot, which Billy Elliot's one of my favourite films. It makes me, makes me cry every time. Because you wanted to be a ballerina as well, didn't Absolutely, it? so. But your dad, your dad beat it out of you. So, right, he, did, he didn't really. Because <laughs> my dad actually, you know, ironically, was a ballerina, so, uh, it, is that right? No. Uh, um, no, but, you know, actually my family love Billy Elliot. I've seen it in the West End. It's, it's absolutely amazing. It's a bit emotional even thinking about it. Oh, uh, don't do I went, wait, you know, it triggers me every time. Like just as soon as it comes on, I'm like, right, I start crying. But it's up there almost pride, isn't it? But what is weird is that, yeah, absolutely no Welsh actors in it. Terrible Welsh accents. Like, absolutely appalling. Speaking of terrible Welsh accents, have you seen Ooh. The Lock? Oh no! Is that the Tom Hardy? Thing? Yeah. Ah, uh, Tom Hardy's accent. I mean, why is it? How bad is it? I thought he's South African for a bit, but he's from South Wales. Oh, hello, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm driving on the motorway. What was that? It was both, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So it's. Uh, I don't understand why they couldn't. You know, there are plenty of Welsh actors, plenty of excellent Welsh actors. Why not employ them? You know, to do, and the funniest thing about Pride was when he goes at. North Wales because they said where are you from he goes Rill and you know and then he drives I was like okay well he's going to drive up to Rill to see his mum because he's alienated from his mum because she couldn't accept the fact he was gay and then I was just cracking up I was like what he's driving up this like mountain and he gets this little house in the middle of the mountains and I was like what so that's meant to be Rill you know Rill we won't offend people from Rill because we've already found people from this house and rather Rill does not look like a little rural idyll she was the first person in Rill wasn't she and he left. He's like, I'm leaving this one house. It was bizarre, but it was like, what an orientalist like sort of view of Wales, you know, like. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. Oh, so everyone in you know, Wales is just, you know, the director's like last minute. Um, so real as I understand, it will just be like exactly the same like everywhere else in Wales, just tiny little houses nestled in the mountains. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. Have you seen World War Z? No, but isn't Cardiff Airport in it? No, Cardiff at the end, like they cr- they crash their plane into Cardiff. It's kind of surrounded by so, forest and just like it? yeah. <laughs> yeah I know it's bizarre and so yeah so the representations of Wales that actually are on screen let's face it they're not particularly positive are they I mean like so you've got it's very hard to think about you've got Spike you know Reese Evans in um, Mm. Nine Hill who is a lovable idiot you've got things like Stella and uh, I've Stella but that's that's like kind of Welsh it's a Welsh lady 
to in Wales. I think that's. I don't like Stella that much, to be honest. What's the other one? Oh, so Gavin and Stacey. But okay, so these are you know people love Gavin and Stacey. Stella, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen Bob Judge anyway. No, I have, <laughs> I have seen them. But um, what no? But what's interesting is the fact that you know these are quite cliche representation. Despite the fact they're good shows, they are nonetheless quite cliche representations of Wales in the valleys. Welsh people are a bit tough, mm. right? So why can't you do a show? You know, so if you're from, if you're not from the valleys, if you're from like North Wales, if you're from West Wales, yeah. West Wales or parts of Wales we're from, you know, or people from the Vale or Monmouth or Cardiff or Newport or Wrexham, you don't see yourself on screen ever. No, you just see. Except on Crime Watch. Oh, hello, and you know, it's yeah, but it'll be like butty this, butty that, you know, these. Cliche, yeah, these cliched representations of Wales on screen. It's Owen Smith representations. That character. Owen Smith's Wales. He was a good that Chris Morris character was, <laughs> was, really was fantastic, good, wasn't, wasn't yeah. he? Just this like really interesting, really clever satirical character of this like this horrible misogynistic like very uh, nuanced as well. Bio. Yeah, and um, he didn't break character once. No, he didn't so break character um, once. So um, well done, Chris Morris, yeah. for that incredible portrayal of sort of uh, South Wales. So the lack of the media has this incredibly sort of pernicious effect overall on Welsh society I mean that's obviously part of the reason that we're doing desolation you know I mean does that make us does that make us heroes I think it does it, in many ways <laughs> it does um, but no but I mean so what happened recently was the BBC presented its uh, charter which is kind of like a rolling rolling constitution so people were sort of lobbying the BBC like Welsh politicians were lobbying the BBC and saying like you need basically to improve your uh, coverage of Wales and representation of Welsh life right so they are they've sort of safeguarded it and said we're not going to decrease the amount of coverage we, we have in Wales but that is really and that's, and it's been presented as a big victory but what that really is doing it's just stopping the right it's hard it's hardly moving forward to say right well we're going to stay with our 15 minutes of, mm. of news and what we've got to start thinking in Wales you know is that enough you know to rely on the BBC we, we're reliant on the BBC you know other countries be like well let's just create our new, own news channel yeah. Or let's create our own media. Let's do, let's do podcasts. Or yeah. let's create our, new, our own paper. Scotland just had the national that's been brought out. We've got this mindset, I think, in Wales, which is you know, a lot of dependent countries have. We're just waiting for Some Westminster, someone else to sort it out for us. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. The reason it's not going to happen, well, mainly it's political because the BBC is ultimately always for the government, vanguard um, of the and, union, and for the union. So, and that's even been reflected in the new charter. So, they're not going to give. Wales any more than a bare minimum because let's face it to give if you give a country more news and more self-awareness and informed citizenry then it's gradually going to lead to let's face it I mean, the inevitable breakup of the United Kingdom they even come out and said recently the reason that we're not going to devolve more broadcasting to Scotland mm. is because that will lead to increased calls for Scottish independence of course it is the more people see their nation represented on the news the more they know about their own culture and their society the less likely it is they're going to be happy with the current state of affairs, in my opinion. So we need to start thinking about things like what what are we going to do to change this? How are we going to rectify the situation in ways that don't depend on the state? And that's where that's why we, that's why we've been trying to do this, and you know I'm sure other people are trying to do stuff as well. Is there anything we need to do or we haven't covered, Nate? I think covered quite a lot. I think we've done well. We've done okay. Yeah. We had some technical problems before. Yeah. Um, we're now rectified. We're learning, learning on the job. So, <laughs> any shout outs? 
Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to the gorilla that escaped from London Zoo and drank five bottles of concentrated squ- squash. Concentrated? Yeah. What an animal. Well, I say what an animal, that's class. What, yeah, from, where, where from though? It was in London. Yeah, uh, where did he get the squash? I think he broke into one of like the, the canteens or like the zookeeper staff room. I think we can all agree that we were pretty disappointed that he didn't go on a bit of a hilarious rampage. Benny Hill style rampage. Not like a violent one. No. But I mean, how awesome. For Harambe. Yeah, just running around, uh, smashing. That's like the kind of really disappoint, disappointing, like underwhelming prequel to the Planet of the Apes. It's just a started with a gorilla with a sweet, sweet tooth for squash. Yeah, and then he just goes back in. He did um, go back in, yeah. Just did like you see him. the guy who was talking about him? And he said, you know, he is okay to drink in. And his face <laughs> just dropped. And went just this once. Like if you do it again, we're gonna put you down, basically. <laughs> okay, shout out to the gorilla, uh, uh, London Zoo. Uh, I want to shout out to homie Graham again. What has he done this week? Eat more potatoes from a can. No, eat more potatoes from a can. He did something, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Drank five bottles of scotch. No, um, but shout out to Graham because you're the man. Shout out to my family. A shout out to my homies upstate doing bids. <laughs> so, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Pentagon planned gay bomb. They've got chemical hormone sprays that they can spray on a man. And you immediately begin releasing chemicals in your brain where the smell of men through your olfactory nerve makes it uncontrollable that you want to jump on top of them like they're Marilyn Monroe.